You're listening to the Military Working Mom Podcast with Treya Jones, episode 50, a military mom's breastfeeding story featuring Christian. Hey ladies, if you have been following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we are in the midst of something great as we are trying to change the JTR verbiage to include breast milk transportation to be a reimbursable expense for all military service branches. So what I've asked for is military moms to come on this podcast and share their story with you so everyone understands about how this one change can be so impactful for a successful career in the mom's life, the baby's life, and for the military service. And before we move on, I cannot, cannot, cannot stress enough that right now until the 30th of March, we are sponsored by Miss Military Mom, and they're the ones that make the uniform of all branches, their maternity, and their nursing tops. So if you've never checked them out, go to www.missmilitarybomb.com or just type in Miss Military Mom. It'll be the first one that pops up. And the promo code for us is TMWM15. So it's the Military Working Mom 15 because she's offering 15% off your entire order. So go now, grab your shirts. We are trying for a second. So I went ahead and I just bought my maternity ones now. Um, I'd rather have them on hand than have to pay full price later on down the line. So not to keep you waiting any longer, let's go back to the episode and welcome to the podcast, Christian. Hi, thank you. It's nice to be here. I'm so glad you came on here and you're just so willing to share your journey, both in uh, breastfeeding itself, but also the needs that you've seen as this is your second baby that you just got off maternity leave for, and you've had an extremely different experience between the two. So I don't want to spoil anything for anyone. So just to start things off, can you tell us kind of who you are? Um, and what your story is. Sure. Uh, my name is Christian. I'm an active duty army officer. Um, I, I've got two kids now. Uh, I gave birth to my first in 2018, and I just had my second in, in 2020, right when uh, COVID really kicked things off for everybody. So it's, it's been a kind of a, a really interesting experience with the second, but both kids have just been so different. So with my first, I was working in a building that had, uh, it had a lot of civilian population and we had a really nice lactation room. It was a very well-developed lactation policy. We had a shared calendar where you would go in and we'd actually reserve times to be able to go in and pump. So it was treated like a, a meeting space. And that really helped me communicate to both my peers and the people I worked for. Um, this is where I need to be because I have a set time. It was, it was like an appointment and we had a mini fridge in there. We had our own sink. It was all very clean and it was it was coded. So you, you had to know the code to be able to go in. And I, I understand that that is not typical across the services. I was very spoiled and I know that, but at the same time, uh, it, it was just kind of eye-opening too. So with my second, uh, I was still in that job. I came back from maternity leave. And then a couple of months after I came back from maternity leave, I left and I went to a new job, uh, same installation, but different unit. And there they did not have a nursing room, which was surprising to me because it was a brigade headquarters. So when I asked about a place to pump, they offered me the conference room, which was not lockable. Uh, I, I got walked in on a few times and then there was no, there was no kitchen area. So there was nowhere for me to be able to wash any parts. I, I had to use the bathroom for that. And then even if I had wanted to use the refrigerator method to store things, in between pump sessions, they, they only had one mini fridge for the entire brigade headquarters. I know that sounds crazy. I was, I was really uh, surprised by that too. 
Uh, but so that, that's really where I found myself. And so then I, I took another job. Uh, so in the same, the same unit, they pushed me out to their, their motor pool, which uh, actually had no mini fridge. And so I, I took it upon myself to go out and buy one. And, and I recognized too that, you know, I, I'm a major, so I, I have a, a certain amount of disposable income, you know, spending, you know, hundred, two hundred dollars on a mini fridge to be able to pump like that. That's affordable to me. That is not affordable to a lot of people and, and nor should they have to do that. And I've really seen too, just how, again, with like, just how different my kids are with my first, I was an overproducer. And so I had really no issue in being able to pump enough to not only feed my baby, but also for storage. With this one, I'm a slight underproducer, So I have been able to pump just enough to feed her. And it, it's honestly, it's gotten less and less. And so that has really made anything I can pump just that much more valuable. And so as I look to go TDY with my first, I got sent TDY six months oh, for, for six months, but she was, um, she was 11 months old. And so I wasn't ready to, to quit pumping yet or breastfeeding. So I was uh, able to take her with me, but even that, you know, I had some logistical challenges because again, I was an overproducer. So we had to, uh, we had to transport all this breast milk with us. Uh, so I had a freezer, I had dry ice. I had to make sure that there was uh, like, you know, that it was cold enough outside that it wouldn't thaw in route. Um, and then with, with this child, I'm supposed to go TDY in a couple of weeks for about a week. And because of COVID, I have to now make sure that the, the hotel we stay at has freezer space for me that I, I'm going to be able to transport it back and forth while dealing with, you know, just the extra complexities of traveling in a COVID environment. So just a little bit more challenging all the time. And, you know, again, that's why I, it's just so important to me, not just for me, but for all these other women to be able to try to get that reimbursed by the JTR. Cause it's, it's just, it's such a minor thing. I see how much money we spend on what, what I would see is just trivial things. I, I can't imagine what could be more important than, than breast milk, because it's not just for me, it's for, you know, our children. Yeah, it's definitely multiple levels. Like you said, it's, you know, food for your baby, but you know, even if people don't see that and say, Hey, they can go formula. We've all mm -hmm. heard those stories. Um, there's actually studies out there that say it affects us mentally. So that's a health issue, right? For us is we can get mastitis oh, extremely easily. I know I was pumping every two hours and I would get, I think eight ounces <clears throat> um, per, per baby. So like, yeah. like that hurts. Um, it does. But I do have a question. So for sure. each of your units, were you the only female or was the one that was more accommodating? Was there more females previously or currently in that unit? You know, I was not the only female. Um, I really think the difference is we had a really large civilian population in the first place I worked. Uh, the second one, um, I guess without giving too much away, it, there are females, but I, I think I'm the only female field grade. I take that back because one of the battalion commanders is female. But there is a like a distinct lack of female leadership in the other unit, and and I don't think it's that they don't care. Uh, I know we got a new brigade commander recently, and when he became aware that we did not have lactation rooms in the brigade, he uh, he immediately worked to rectify that. So, uh, awesome. but you know, again, it's just it's just uh, so surprising to me that you know the, the population is fifty percent female. So I know everybody knows a woman. It's not like, you know, these, these people are in a vacuum and then the service is 15% female. 
but the, the field I'm in is much smaller. I think uh, sometimes I play a game where I'm sitting in a, uh, an auditorium or conference room and I look around and I try to count how many women I see. And you know, it, the numbers are usually very low. Uh, <laughs> I think it, it gets like 5% in the field I'm in. So they were uh, out there, small. we're just somewhere. <laughs> right, you know, it's, it's a little, I guess a little harder for, for us to find you know, each other. So um, again, you know, just kind of, you know, different fields, but I, I think, I think that's what the uh, common denominator is, is because there's more civilians. And so I don't know if there were actually more women in my first unit, but there, there are definitely a lot fewer in my current one. So uh, I have a question. Now, these are all sure. vectored towards, you know, information that we've been mm-hmm. given as the way of it, as we've been trying to get this JTR passed. Um, how much money did you spend on that first, uh, the first TDY that you went, you said bill for six months? Yes. So how much did you spend like shipping all that breast milk back or storing it? Like what, what did that entail? And then the same so question for this next sure. TDY, like what does that so prep look like? Um, I guess I had a little bit of an advantage. So we, we already owned a deep freezer, but uh, when it became a parent that I was a, an overproducer, that deep freezer became mine. So imagine uh, it was a wedding gift from a friend, but like just you go to Costco and like one of the deep, really big chest freezers, mm-hmm. that whole thing was full of breast milk, like yep. just full of breast milk. My, my husband hunts. So we used to use it for uh, whatever animal he, he brought home, but it uh, became mine. So it was just completely full of breast milk. And so we had to transport all of that uh, up to Maryland. So it was like a, a two day drive driving pretty conservatively. So we had a couple of, uh, what do you call them? Like deep coolers. And I don't remember how much those were, but we had to go buy dry ice. Fortunately, it was in the winter time and there was a snowstorm going on. So that actually helped us with uh, keeping things cold. I, it, I never would want to drive in a, a snowstorm or a blizzard, but it, that part ended up uh, being a good thing for us. So it's hard to imagine the cost, but it was definitely, I would say probably a couple hundred dollars, not to mention, you know, uh, like labor and manpower. If, if I didn't have my husband to, to help me, there's, there's pretty much no way I could have been able to move all that myself. And you look at like the, uh, like the commercial services they have, I would have had to use something like that. And I know the, the cost for that is it's pretty high, but you know, again, it's just, it's an important thing. So um, like you know, my, my first child, she was, very attached to the the nipple like she loved to breastfeed and so uh, it really was it was just important for me to be able to give her that that same consistency even though I was trying to transport her across you know across uh, state lines into a completely different place uh, yeah. and then with my second um, to try to help myself be able to pump in a variety of situations especially conference rooms where I didn't have a lot of privacy um, again, like I acknowledge I have a, I have more disposable income than, you know, my soldiers do. And so I went and, and I bought a, uh, a hands-free pump. So I had a Spectra with my first and second, and I love the Spectra, but I bought a baby Buddha. So that was about $250. And then I bought a uh, free me cups. So that was about another hundred dollars to be able to try to pump completely under my uniform. I do look like a cartoon character when I do that. Cause it makes my chest really big. And it has a very distracting sound too, because it, it's kind of loud. So I get a lot of comments too, like, oh, what, what's that noise? I'm like, oh, it's me. But it, it at least gives me the kind of the, the, the flexibility to be able to um, 
to be covered up while I pump. And sometimes I can do some desk work, though that's not very relaxing. And so, uh, so, I, so I've got that. That's a little bit more portable. So I mean, altogether, that's already, what, uh, you know, $350 in the hole just to be able to try to pump with some more privacy. And then uh, when I go to TBY, I'll have to, you know, make sure that I have enough, uh, probably like a lunchbox to help me transport it. I bought a, a thermos just for the purpose of uh, keeping breast milk. It's called a series chill, which is, uh, if, if you've never heard of it, it, it's pretty cool. I was very excited about it. And so it lets me uh, pump into one storage device and keep it cold in places where I don't always have a refrigerator as I, as my, my new office didn't have one. So that was, I think that was like another hundred dollars. And then, you know, that's not counting the, the cost of uh, dry ice, the time it takes for me to be able to go and have to wash all these parts and then try to dry them too. Because, you know, if, if I'm, if I don't have like a home base where I can put my parts out to dry, I, you know, wh what do I do? Do I just let them kind of get gross and moldy in my bag? I don't always have a fridge to store them in either. It's, it, it's just, it's so many, it's like a death by like a thousand little paper cuts, just all these little costs. They just keep adding up over and over again. And it would honestly, like, it would just be so helpful if there was a way to just kind of offset it. I'm not, you know, even asking for like a full reimbursement, but just, you know, something to help me or and not even me, just other women too. I know yeah. I was talking about before we started, uh, you know, thinking back to when I was in a, a tactical unit, we went to NTC. And so we had women who were pumping in the bathrooms there. They're pumping in the back of the TMPs and they didn't have a way of, of really transporting that breast milk back with us because a lot of times we were flying gray tail. And so you'd be out there waiting on the tarmac for hours and hours. So even if your breast milk was frozen, it, it would very likely thaw, you know, maybe even completely by the time you got on the plane, and then you have to, you know, go all the way home. You get to where you're going. They, they bus you back. You wait around for a while. So, you know, it ends up being a very long day. You know, and I, I feel so much pity and empathy looking back on these women that I worked with who, you know, they, they were really fighting a losing battle. And I, I wish we had done more to be able to help them. And just how much dedication and effort they put into to, you know, maintaining their supply so that way, when they got back, that they were still able to breastfeed. And I think we just, we overlook it so much as a service. So I, I'm really glad to, to be able to share this and hopefully we can make some recommendations and try to get some change. Yeah, no, that is definitely the goal. And you know, as you're going through your costs for this TDY, you didn't even, all that, everything you bought wasn't even including getting that breast milk back home. That was just no, to make sure it, it can be maintained. Um, so I, I don't even know if there's any way that we could ever get that funded, but it is such a stressor. Um, and I will say one of the data points that I am, uh, and the, what's going to laugh at, cause I stress this so much <laughs> is that they're always, um, headquarters been asking, you know, well, what's the data? Well, in my mind, you know, you go for it. You have TDY. I know I've turned down many. So we've pulled data on mm -hmm. how many women within the first year, um, have gone TDY um, so they could see like, you know, how many people would actually use this service, but the bigger question is how many soldiers or airmen, you know, or seamen have turned down an opportunity because they didn't have this service or didn't have the ability oh, yes. to do so. Yes. So I can tell you with, with both of mine, with my first, I did not want to go on this TDY. I was, um, I mean, it was, I guess an honor. I was hand chosen to go TDY, um, 
I didn't think I was in consideration because I was still pretty new postpartum. You know, I was still breastfeeding. Everybody knew I just had a baby. And so they, they told me I had no warning. And I, I'm not ashamed to say I cried at work. I just burst into ugly tears. I had to run to the bathroom. Uh, and I, work with, I worked with a lot of senior leaders. It was a, it was a, um, a joint force headquarters. So it was headed by a one star. I worked for a lot of 06s. And I think I was, a, I don't know if I was promotable at the time, but I was a, I was a captain and I was just absolutely sobbing at work because th this was before I had you know, done the analysis and just decided to, to take my child with me. But uh, just the idea that I was going to like have to stop breastfeeding. I was going to have to leave my, my family for six months to, and it was a domestic TDY too, um, that I'd had no warning. So I, I absolutely, I broke down into tears. Um, and then with my, with my current child, my, my youngest now, uh, the job field I'm in, I don't really have the ability to say no to TDY. It's, it's a lot of, um, I guess, react to contact is what I would call it. So when, when things come up, I, I pretty much have to go. And so I, I'm really fortunate though, that I have that kind of perspective. It's, it's a little bit, I guess, less painful to know that, you know, like, okay, you know, I know I've already walked down this road once. Um, I'm going to be okay. My husband's super capable. He's, he's a great dad. He's a great partner. Um, but it, it doesn't really make it easier though. And originally I was supposed to go TDY over uh, one of the birthdays for one of my children. And uh, I, I was having a really hard time with that. I so think it's I, harder I, on the mom than the dad when that happens. <laughs> I, I think so. You know, like we just have, we have so much um, like not emotional and physical labor involved with our children, you know, no matter how, like how you deliver, we do. like don't we do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, and they're like the little kids, like they're just so much more attached to mom than dad. Like I, both my kids, like they are just, uh, their mommy's girls and it, which is exhausting. Um, but it, it's also very sweet too. Like they, they just love me. They can't get enough of me. So it, it's, it makes it just that much harder for me to, to leave them. No. So I really appreciate you sharing your story and, you know, your opinions and your views from your experience that you've had so far. Um, so I do have one more question for you. Sure. It's more of by doing this change to the JTR to allow reimbursement for breast milk transportation, what benefits do you think can it bring to all the forces? I think it'll really help women who um, aren't willing or not, sorry, not, not willing, um, who aren't ready to stop breastfeeding, who want to also to keep up their supply. Cause it, you know, being able to feed your child, like that's, that's kind of like the basic ground part of it. Like your baby has to be fed no matter what, whether it's formula or breast milk or, you know, what have you, like that, that's just a minimum requirement, but it, it would help us be able to keep up our supply. And it, it's kind of like, um, like training for an event. If you, you know, a lot of us are just recreational exercisers, but it, it's hard to, to be able to, to train when you don't have an end goal in mind. So whether it's like a race that you're training for, it, it's really hard to, to have that kind of motivation, like, especially when you're TDY, because now you don't have a cute cuddly baby to snuggle and to feed. You have this, um, pump and the pump doesn't give you anything. It doesn't love you. It doesn't give you cute cooing noises. You can't cuddle it. And so it, you know, it, it takes a lot of discipline and motivation to be able to, to know that I have to keep pumping. I have to pump so many hours every day, all night during the day. And then I have to be able to store this breast milk and bring it back. And by not having it reimbursed at all, 
it's like, oh, and then I also have to pay for it too. Like, it's just like, it adds insult to injury. Like, so not only do I have to do all this work just to maintain my supply, not even like to bring the breast milk back, but if I want to bring the breast milk back to like, that's also on my dime. It, it's just, it's so hard to, especially like with extended TDYs, I don't know really how women do it. Like people are, are just so incredible and I have so much admiration for them. And so it would be so helpful. And again, you know, you know, shooting for, it would be awesome if the JTR would help reimburse that because I know, you know, a lot of us, like that's, that's extremely expensive, not to mention just inconvenient too. It would also help communicate to our senior leaders that these are things that they need to consider when uh, taking people TDY the same way they would if you have like a, a medical condition that requires medication or uh, a limited duty hours, it would just, it would increase the visibility and consideration instead of just, you know, I guess treating us all like we're automatons that just don't have any, any need for that. So I keep having these questions because you've got oh, no, such great fine. responses. <laughs> so on retainability for the army's sake, mm-hmm. since I don't know too much on that, what's the feedback on retention went, you know, for family sake, I know on the air force side, most of the women that get out have been for family reasons. Um, could you see this as something as a, you know, to boost retention for females in the army or across all services, because we're getting that support that we need? Oh, absolutely. And I know that's still um, a really common thread and not, not, not to be too general and like stereotypical, but it seems to me, at least from my perspective, and I've got 11 years in now, that the men I know who get out, they get out because they're dissatisfied with uh, career prospects. And like the family is like a little bit less of a consideration. Usually it's like, well, I'm tired of, uh, you know, always being gone from my family. But for women, it, it's more, um, it's more personal, you know, like we'll get out because of, yeah, because of career prospects, but also like, um, we're like, man, like, I just, I can't get a break. <laughs> I, I'm just always being held to these unrealistic standards. And like, I, it seems like nobody cares. And you just, you really, you feel like you don't have anybody uh, backing you in the corner. And that's absolutely just a really common uh, thread. I'm in a, a couple of Facebook groups for like, army women, uh, army moms specifically. And that that's absolutely just really common across all ranks to, in you know, job fields is that women are really dissatisfied with the lack of breastfeeding support specifically. And, and, you know, and, you know, especially with COVID, like family care plans have been a really hot issue, childcare, but, but the breastfeeding support, like that has just been a constant. We can't blame that on COVID. That was a problem before COVID. And now with COVID it's, um, it's taken on like a new kind of unique shade because it's, it's just that much more important to be, to be very clean and very careful when you are transporting breast milk around between uh, you know duty stations and installations on airplanes and all that, and you want that kind of reassurance that you are you know being safe and that you're able to feed your child something that is safe for them to consume as well as maintaining your supply because it's so easy to lose your supply and it's it's really hard to get it back. No, that is I agree with everything that you just said, and again, I'm so thankful you came on. So thankful that you are sharing your story. Um, and the hope if you're listening to this, you are sharing this out so everyone can get, you know, just to understand the bottom line. If you are not a mom um, or if you have a supervisor that hasn't had this experience, you just don't know. I know before I became a mom, I had no idea what it entailed uh, to be a military mom. And I bet you were the same. 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, I remember thinking like, oh, it can't be that bad. I'm, I'm used to not sleeping. It, it'll be like nothing. Oh no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> nothing can prepare you for this. So Christian, unless you have anything else, I hope we hear back from you after this TDY and see what your experience was. Um, and definitely in the future when we get this JTR change, because I have hopes that we will um, to hear the positive remarks that you're hearing on the army side of the house. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I, I'm really looking forward to, again, seeing the, the JTR change, because I think it'll be beneficial for everybody. So if you're a mom, you know, every single pregnancy, every single story is absolutely different, but the underlining issues and obstacles we face tend to be the same or in the same line of things. And Christian honestly hits home with so many things that I went through and that I've heard other women go through that really should change. And even if the policies are in place, people don't really understand why, so they're not implementing them. So if you are a supervisor listening to this or you are a military mom, know that you have rights. There is policies in place for each branch. And if there's not a policy in place, there are ways that we can make things make sense and make things better for you. If it's for your health, for your resilience, and for your overall well-being and the benefit of the military. If you want to share your story, go ahead and reach out to me. My email is andrea at themilitaryworkingmom.com. And if you want to share this but don't know how to share it in a podcast, everything can be found on the episode notes at themilitaryworkingmom.com slash episode 050. Thank you for listening to the Military Working Mom podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please click subscribe and leave a review to help us reach more military moms just like you. And then to save time and receive posts as soon as they come out, join our email list at www.themilitaryworkingmom.com and follow the Military Working Mom on Facebook to join our community of women as we discuss topics, ask questions, and share stories in a safe, judge-free environment. We are here to provide you with answers you need. Don't forget to join us next week as we continue to help you navigate your mom, wife, and military life.